When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome into the Marvel Stuff Podcast. I, of course, am Josh Kennedy from Facebook. Hope you're here to enjoy some more Doctor Strange action. Because we have so many cool co-hosts here for the Marvel Stuff, I've got Noah King-Bates and Ray Krytov here to give their opinions. And uh, I really just want to start out with a bang. Do you guys feel like the MCU is uh, is getting better, or are they more just maintaining at this point? Um, I... I have a lot of feelings about this movie, so I'm going to think about it before this movie. I think that they're improving, um, mostly because I feel like this phase is a lot of focusing on, like, the characters themselves versus, like, the overarching story. Um, That's true. I feel like, because, like, with WandaVision, we got to see Wanda coping with her trauma and... Uh, in Loki, we got to see a bunch of character development there. And in Falcon and Winter Soldier, we saw Bucky dealing with all of his trauma. And I just, I feel like they're they're really growing the characters. Um, and I mean, it could be, it could change, but it feels like they're focusing on like building up their characters a lot more than like a big story. Um, whereas like, like they're not pushing a big narrative. They're more pushing their characters, which I appreciate. Yeah, what I've noted before in previous episodes is um, they're no longer... Oh, I don't know what's going on with those. Noah's eating chips is what's going on. But <laughs> uh, what they're doing now is totally different than what they did in the first place because all of those original heroes kind of already had their own hype behind it. And now it's more of an engine just running and these new characters have a chance to be established. And they're super unique and fun to really get to explore. Like, if you would have said even five years ago that there was going to be a Moon Knight TV show, I don't think anyone would have believed you. So it's just kind of like crazy times we're living in, for sure. Now, Noah, how do you feel about this uh, MCU improving or maintaining? I So, I mean, to piggyback off of what you said, I do believe that five years ago someone would have said that a Moon Knight show would have been made, but I don't think that Disney would have been the one doing it. I think it would have been in the realm of what Netflix was doing. So I think... Um, I do think that Marvel is succeeding because they're no longer being branded as a Disney subsidiary, even though they are still under Disney and they still have the conglomerate that is Disney. They are doing stuff that isn't deemed Disney. They're doing shows about trauma, about loss. They're doing a horror movie, which is what we, the closest that we've got with, uh, uh, Doctor Strange 2, we're getting sex scenes in, in, in the Eternal, so like it's it's definitely growing in a way that they they would have never touched that outside of a, a fun Tony Stark joke uh, back in the past, so I really think that they are going above and beyond compared to what they were doing. 
Yeah, another thing that I've really thought about while watching just things as they develop is there no... I know there's going to be a big team up some sort of movie and I don't know how much I'm going to like it, but I love how they're make, they're improving like each little section of their like mythos instead of having it all build up to a narrative. Like Ray was saying, it feels more like the space series. They're kind of doing their own thing as opposed to, you know, and Thor's got his mythology thing. And those two are melting a little bit, but the Thor movie and the guardians movies, I don't think they're going to take place on earth at all. So we're kind of, beyond the point of having to uh, focus on all these characters meeting in New York to save the world type of thing. So um, I'm super excited that it's been going on. I love me some Marvel and I don't know, uh, improving and maintaining. It's kind of an interesting point that um, I think that certain things are improving for sure. Like uh, getting to establish the history of Spider-Man. And now all of a sudden that's included in the MCU is a pretty cool thing. And then, obviously, guys, spoiler alert, we're talking about it. Now we have the X-Men universe involved as well. So it's just more we're taking from even further and further back of just really established franchises and bringing them to the forefront. It's just it's super fun to see. Now, uh, do these characters feel like they're going to stack up? I mean, specifically more like the newer characters, like the replacements. Like, are we going to like Falcon as Captain America? We've got Kate Bishop taking on, you know, the Hawkeye thing. Elena over for Black Widow. Like, are they going to stack up to the originals or are we going to feel like they kind of fall short? I guess you could do that on an individual basis or is your individual thoughts? Uh, Ray, why don't you take that one first? Um, I, I don't know that they're going to be comparable, if that makes sense. I feel like they will be taking the same role or position, but they will not be like replacing those characters so like because sam is not going to be the same as steve when it comes to being captain america they're going to be their own unique version of that role so i feel like you can't really compare like sam and steve uh as captain america because they're very different and you can't really compare yelena and Natasha because they are also very different but they also have a lot of similarities which is what makes them good for that particular part in the story um so there will be a little bit of comparing as like a oh are these new people as good as like what we had before but I think story-wise they're gonna be they're gonna be so like their own they're gonna be their own individual characters that I don't think they're really is cause for comparison if any of that makes sense no that makes total sense and i'm with you 100 they're different characters i was just saying what a lot of audience members kind of have in mind that every one of these new characters is going to be compared to their older counterpart and the success of the mcu so far are they ever going to be able to live up to it and build on that uh but noah what's your opinion on that for me i i mean people are let me say it this way. Bad people are going to compare um, certain characters to, to their previous to the previous mantles in terms of, like, Sam and Steve. I don't think anyone who truly cares or knows the journey of Sam becoming Captain America cares that he's Captain America now. It's going to be a certain kind of person who's upset that there is now an African-American Captain America. I think he's the only one where the mantle is so drastic in a change that people are going to care. 
Elena and Natasha, yeah, they aren't similar under any circumstances. I mean, they're sisters. I'm using air quotes, you can't see. They're sisters. They, they are both trained in the same style. They're both, you know, like quippy, badass women. So that's going to be fine. I guess the Kate Bishop one, because we got to see the fact that Hawkeye is technically going away, so this mantle change isn't as similar as Steve Rogers leaving. That's true, yeah. The, the, the other ones are kind of like hard replacements, uh, not intentionally by any ways, but like whether it's the actor leaving the franchise or the character being killed off, it's kind of like there's no choice but to replace. But in Hawkeye's case, I think, yeah, Kate Bishop's going to get uh, further developed before she officially takes on the role of Hawkeye. But the show did a really good job of showing that he is getting older. He is kind of getting tired of being the one remaining and, you know, he wants to spend time with his kids and stuff. So you can tell it's taking a toll on him. So I think everyone kind of sees it coming that Kate's going to be taking over. But it's going to be a lot more, uh, I don't know, a peaceful transition. I don't think they're going to kill him uh, yet. I mean, maybe someday, but we'll see how it goes. No, I uh, can see his character retiring. I don't know that they'd kill him off. I feel like it wouldn't really make sense for him to be killed off. Yeah, that's true. Um, I know, I mean, in the Old Man Logan storyline, Hawkeye goes blind. So I don't know if they want to go that route. I mean, it's blind and kind of deaf, which would be really I was going to say, that just seems like an ultimate shot. And like, you're blind, you're deaf. In some iterations, he loses an arm. Like, for him being the only human, he gets it pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, you just, you gotta make it comparable. Like, yeah, well, yeah, Iron Man drinks a little too much, but Hawkeye, he's gotta lose an arm. That's the <laughs> only way to make his stuff count. But speaking of new characters and, like, the new generation of care, um, of Marvel heroes coming into the picture, Noel, what was your opinion on America Chavez into Doctor Strange? I think this is officially the point where we're gonna start talking about the movie that we came here to talk about. So, I love America Chavez in the comics. And I think, um, I don't want to mess up her name, but uh, the, the actress who played her did a phenomenal job for the little that she's it's kind a, of given. It's a difficult name. I looked into it. I'm like, I'm not going to try. It's, yeah, it's I mean, like, I'll hear it in interviews and stuff, and then I'll be able to you know, bring it back, but not yet. But, um, so I, I think that I love what she did with as little as they gave her. Because when you think about how she's in that movie a lot, and we get her little moment where she sees her mother's... Not much is done with her in terms of outside of... She she is almost like a... What is that Indiana Jones thing called? The, like, everyone's going towards it. The, like, the gold... You're outside gold. of my realm, dude. Indiana Jones has never been my channel. No, but it's like it's like a, a term for like what they're going for. The MacGuffin. The MacGuffin. Um, she's like the MacGuffin. She she doesn't have a lot of development outside of that one scene where we see her mother, but I know that her character has so much more. Like she has the pride flag, and yeah, they don't have to go around saying that she's like part of the LGBT community. Um, but the fact that it's just Finn or the fact yeah, that that's, getting that's back a good story, point. Um, that specifically wasn't actually addressed her any sort of sexual orientation. Obviously, she was very uh, open about being uh, supportive or an ally of the community, but it was never, I don't think it was specifically stated that she uh, identifies one way or the other. So I guess that's something that'll get developed as we go. 
but even that in itself is an important idea of representation too. So yeah, she's great. I, I enjoyed her quite a bit. What were your thoughts, Ray? Um, I, I agree a lot with what Noah said. Um, cause she's in the movie a lot, but she doesn't have, I don't want to say a whole lot to do, um, because she's so unfamiliar with her own powers. So there's not right. a whole lot she can do, but like she, she just felt, I don't know if it was the writing character directing or just this actor being phenomenal, but she just felt so natural. Like she was just a teen dropped into yeah. this situation. Um, she was like screaming and running a lot of the time. And of course that's, that's what would happen if a regular person was just dropped into this situation. And she felt very real to me. And she had like those kind of like snarky remarks that you'd get from like a, someone her age. Um, she felt really real. And I, I liked that. And um, like, even like her jacket, I brought this up uh, when we did our the spoiler parking review. Lot review. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go check that out if you haven't yet. If you, um, if you haven't seen the movie, go watch our spoiler free review, then go watch the movie and come back and watch this one. It's really what you should do. But it, she, cause like we don't get a whole lot of her character, but like her jacket reveals so much. It's like, mm -hmm. it has so much character in it. Um, and just, I, I loved seeing her grow in her confidence throughout the movie. Um, one thing that I would really love is, well, first of all, I cannot wait for America to meet Kate Bishop. That's going to be amazing. Um, I stripped them just, just said, saying it. Um, but I really would love to see Sylvie meet America because Sylvie would be meeting another girl who's displaced from her home reality and family and had to grow up on the run from jumping from universe to universe. You drew that up just so you could get two of your new favorite characters to kind of line up, but I respect it and they should it, do it. It would be so cute. <laughs> I'm just saying, no. I just pitched something. She did just pitch Marvel. something. I, I guess she's got to jump on uh, the radioactive paper cuts and do a pitch me episode is what she needs I, I, to do. So Marvel can have that idea for free. <laughs> oh, boom. No, we want Rogue. <laughs> we want money. Uh, what I'm going to say is, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but remember Doctor Strange was supposed to come out before Spider-Man. So in the original... The original story of Spider-Man No Way Home, it was America Chavez who was actually supposed to get the other Peters. Oh, that's interesting. I was not aware of that. I guess they, I mean, plans change as they go along, but I mean, that also makes perfect sense. I think it's fine the way it ended up, but you know. Yeah, but I, I wanted to, like, for me, I think that would have been more interesting because then we would have gotten a teenager interacting with other teenagers. And oh, yeah, that's, that's why her character seems so weird is because, yeah, she's being, like like Ray said, she is being a teen. She is saying quippy teenager things, but it's around a bunch of old monks. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, Carmitage <laughs> is not the same as, uh, you know, pretty high school that they're going to have in Miss Marvel. So that's, that's a, I mean, that's just a good point in general. Marvel is, they're not afraid to go anywhere. We're getting a TV show about a teenage girl in high school next. That's what's happening. And I'm here for it. It's going to be great. It's going to be another great show. It's just completely different than what 
like if you would have said when Iron Man one came out, like, Hey, you know, this same universe, we're going to talk about a girl that just goes to a high school in the next state and everyone will think you're insane. So I'm glad it's working out. Now let's talk about, uh, we already talked about America Chavez. The titular character of course is Dr. Strange. Ray, what did you think of his character, both his development powers, all that good stuff? Um, I did really like how, um, every time they referred to, like, another universe's Doctor Strange, he was always so surprised to find out that his alternate self was a jerk. I was like, you're a jerk in this universe too, buddy. <laughs> he's not the friendliest of people. Um, not saying he's horrible, but, you know, he, he walks a line. Um, I did love to see how, because Doctor Strange, his interactions with Peter from previous movies he he just does not like kids it's very evident but he's not seeing, a kid person i don't know he yeah. hates them but yeah he, I, I, he just I'm doesn't totally like kids with it there. Yeah, not a, not a um person. but he like took to america like right away like was instantly like protective of her wanted uh to look out for her and i think that's just a good point to like why it worked out that spider-man came first you saw him kind of make the transition from totally selfish doctor he didn't take on quite a parental role but he took on like i don't know like an elder statesman role in spider-man and he's like hey kid i've been around the block a few times type of deal and now he's gotten getting more into the parental figure type of deal uh Noah, how you feeling about dr strange i i mean i enjoy him he's is magic tony to a degree and i do think that that is needed sometimes for a protagonist because sometimes this is going to sound weird sometimes the protagonist isn't the person you care most about it's the people around him and yeah, that's sure. very and that's very much how i feel about dr strange dr strange is a great protagonist in terms of like learning about other people and 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 that's what i enjoy i i do think it's hilarious that they keep putting him with children and he does not want it. And I think that's what makes him a fun crotch, the old man. Um, that, 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 yeah, that whole thing's kind of fun. But I mean, I think in the terms of like Spider-Man and this, it could have worked either way. Cause the way he treats both Peter and America is very similar. Like, yeah, he might not want kids, but, but does he, the way that he falls for these, like, like run like these teens who are going through hard times. It seems like he wants that fatherly like role. It seems like he wants to be that person as reluctant as he is. They're making him a bit like Batman in that way. Batman's always been known as like he would never like he doesn't want his actual kids, but then he, he keeps adopting kids to keep crime fighting, and he cares so much about them. So, Doctor Strange is the MCU Batman. Josh <laughs> twenty twenty two. You guys go back to it. <laughs> Uh, let's jump to Wong since we're already kind of in the mystic area. I personally was a big fan of Wong in this one. Like it made him kind of shoot up my rankings as far as overall characters go. Uh, I don't know who just went first on that one. So, uh, why don't you take Wong first there, Noah? Wong. I love Wong. I love Benedict Wong. I love the character of Wong. I love the fact that there's this whole Sorcerer Supreme fight between him and Strange until the end. I thought that was nice. Uh, of him letting go. I genuinely was afraid that he passed, like that he died at one point, but I also knew that it was Marvel and he is one of three Asian characters 
and they're not gonna have him go out like that. Well, I mean, Shang Chi brought a couple more, so. But they brought Wong. <laughs> yeah, I do love me some Wong though. He's great. Uh, Ray, how did you feel about Wong in this movie? Yeah. So in Doctor Strange, like the first one, he almost felt a bit like comic relief. A little bit, yeah. Um. He was and, a straight man to Benedict, trying to, like, Benedict's character learning the mystic arts. Yeah, and this movie gave him, like, a lot more character and a lot more personality. Because, yeah. um, like, in the first Doctor Strange, like, he can kind of come off as, like, a stick in the mud. And same with um, uh, No Way Home. But in this one, he still has that very, like, traditional kind of view of things. Mm. but he also like he's he's not as extreme as like doctor strange is uh because like with doctor strange if it came down to um saving the universe or saving a couple people he'd go for the universe whereas when that decision was proposed to wong saving a couple students or giving wanda what she wants he went he saved the students so you get to see like the differences between them and he felt like a more intentional and purposeful character than just like comedic relief which I really like to see because he seemed like an interesting character when he was comedic relief and I like to see him I liked seeing him develop into a full-fledged character. No, obviously I'm muting you every uh, every time Ray's talking cuz I don't want any like background noise but did you have anything else you wanted to say about Wong in this movie? Yeah, um, I genuinely, I, I want to know, especially with the way that we talk about later on, where Wong goes. Yeah. That's because, true. Yeah, I mean, I just like how he, like, it fully embraces him as the Sorcerer Supreme in the storyline, and, like, he's more, it's weird that he feels like he's better fit for the role than uh, Steven is, even though that's kind of like Steven's whole shtick, so. I mean, they're doing a great job. Is it because when you, like, like what Ray said, Steven might be the stronger sorcerer, which would technically make him supreme, but he's not the best sorcerer for the protection of the mystic world. That's true. He's a lot more reckless. Yeah. Yeah. So I sadly think that in order for Strange to become Sorcerer Supreme, if they decide to do that in in the MCU, Wong will have to pass. Because as of right now, Wong is the better Sorcerer Supreme. He makes the better decisions. Yeah. All right. That brings us to our antagonist and other main character. And I'm going to hand it over to Ray. You can go get a snack if you want, Noah, because we're going to let her just go off here. Noah, or excuse me. Ray, how did you feel about Wanda within this movie? Okay. So cracking my knuckles, let's get into this. First of all, I just want to say... Marvel, you need to stop killing my emotional support characters, please and thank you. Okay, now that we've got that out of the way, we can continue. So, what amazed me most out of this whole movie was Elizabeth Olsen, her acting. She managed to not only make me feel afraid for my comfort character, but afraid of my comfort character. Which is, like, a pretty big deal. Like, she made me scared of my comfort character. I mean, 
that's a crazy idea. Yeah, I I would never I can't I mean I can't give that Elizabeth Olsen enough props for how well she was able to portray both a protagonist and antagonist within this universe to such like a perfect amount. So yeah, just keep going off. Yeah. And her acting when it came to like the alternate universe selves, I mentioned this in the parking lot review, uh, was very reminiscent of Tatiana Maslany in Orphan Black, um, who plays different clones of herself. But when she when she plays a, each clone, it's a completely different like there's different personality quirks, there's different facial tics. Like she like spoiler for Over Black for the record, just so everyone knows. <laughs> I've I never mean, seen it personally, but I didn't plan on watching it, so don't worry about it. Well, it's I mean, the whole show is about clones, so it's not really a spoiler. But with uh with uh Wanda and with Lizzie, like she you can tell when it's like alternate universe Wanda and when it's our Wanda inhabiting alternate universe Wanda. And like, not an easy just, feat as an actor to be able to no. play a version of yourself within yourself, but have it known that you're not being yourself. Exactly. Like, it's kind of trippy how she managed to do that. It's very tricky. Also, when she looked right into the camera after she first started dreamwalking, lost yeah, it. it. Oh my gosh. Absolutely terrifying. Um, I think it's just because Vision does that in WandaVision too. He makes eye contact with the camera at one point. And I think it's part of just a character on a screen making eye contact with the audience is like it really like pulls you out of it and it it's a little falls. unsettling and it I was think unsettling and it was perfectly placed and perfectly done um so um this movie is kind of hard for me to watch um i don't think it's one that i'll be able to see again uh or Ever? at least at least not for a while. Also, okay. I'm not a huge fan of like watching heavier movies. If I'm gonna like chill and watch a movie, it's gonna be something lighter. Like I loved Wonder Woman, but it's not something that I'm gonna rewatch because it's kind of it's a little heavier. Um I'm with you. Yeah, you gotta be in a certain type of mood. Yeah. I guess you just don't hit that type of mood that often. I hit I hit all sorts of different moods, so I'll watch a serious movie just randomly on a Tuesday morning if I don't work <laughs> or nothing, but yeah, but as I said, with Wanda being one of my biggest comfort characters, uh, watching her go through like so much pain and become so dark when it's not who she really is is really draining to watch personally. Um, and after I initially saw the movie, I had a pretty like high opinion of it. And the more I've thought about it, I don't want to say it kind of like sunk in my opinion but it kind of did i found more i found i had more issues with it as i began to think on it um especially thinking on it uh from other people's points of view because personally being such a big fan of wanda i like am super into like analyzing her character you could see this uh when we reviewed the loki series i was i could very... see it on your face during the movie yes very interested in like dissecting these characters so I was able to pick up on a lot of things that weren't evident in the movie and realizing that it wasn't explicit was kind of disappointing um and because the writing makes it appear as if Wanda's only motivation for all this mass murder is motherhood and it's like vilifying mothers 
coming out on Mother's Day weekend. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. Uh, One complaint that people are having about this movie a little bit is her almost lack of mentioning Vision hardly at all throughout the whole thing. I don't know if it's just too sore of a subject at the time, but Vision's only mentioned a couple times, whereas the kids are mentioned every five minutes, it feels like. Yeah, I do... I do have uh, some thoughts on that that I will touch on. Some it's somewhere in my notes. <laughs> I've got a page of notes. It'll it, it's fine. It's fine. So knowing the character or having delved into the character as much as I have, I kind of I put together that her motivation wasn't just about her kids or being a mom. It was wanting her Westview life back. And I wish that was made more apparent. Uh, she wanted to leave her universe. She even said that she wants to leave this universe. And she wanted to find one where she could live a quiet life as a regular person. And everything had been ripped away from her at that point. Her parents, her brother, her husband, her found family, her husband again, now her kids. And she wanted to take it back because it was rightfully hers. And I'm going to keep going back to it, but it feels very reminiscent of Loki's quest for a throne. because. Yeah, he wanted to rule, but it wasn't just about that. Like, that was the surface motivation. But if you really, like, dig into it, he wanted to be seen, to step out of Thor's shadow. He wanted to be loved and, like, appreciated. But Marvel didn't touch on that, so it just looks like he's power-hungry. And they also didn't touch on the other motivations for Wanda, so she just looks like a complete monster. Um, And... Also, with Wanda becoming so dark after all the healing that she accomplished in one, at the end of WandaVision, uh, it was a bit difficult to wrap my mind around. Um, so, like, the more I thought about it, the more I go back and forth on it. Because Wanda's arc as the villain is kind of, like, key to the whole story, in a sense. Um, but on the surface, it's very unsatisfying coming off of WandaVision. Um, I understand the Darkhold, like, corrupts its readers, but it still felt like a pretty big jump. Um, I know like with her suit, you could see how much the dark hold had really like impacted her. So, you know, it's been a while and it's, it's been a lot, but I don't know. It still felt like a big jump because the audience is left to put pieces together themselves. And this isn't an easy puzzle. Um, and at the end of WandaVision, Wanda accepts that vision is gone. She understands that the world she created is the world that she created. It's, it's not real. Um, so she's, she's passed on in a way of speaking, uh, her grief over vision. Um, the dark hole didn't just corrupt her. It got to her, um, it got to her by showing her that every other version of her has kids and she's the one that doesn't. And so she realized that her kids aren't necessarily not real. They are real. She's just the one who doesn't have yeah, it's them. It's a weird thing of being jealous of yourself in some yeah. weird way with this whole multiverse thing. I thought while you're on this uh, little tangent here, I was like, you know, it'd be a really fun episode. Uh, we're going to do it later, Ray. I already signed you up. You don't get a choice. But we're going to take the two stories of Loki and Wanda and talk about how they're the reverse of a villain to hero and a hero to villain. And that's going to be a super fun episode. Two of my comfort characters in know, one episode. It's going to yes. be great. It's going to be into the up. mind of Ray. Yep, we're going to have a great episode. Now, oh, I could break Noah, I know you've been waiting in the wings to talk about Wanda, so I'll let you back in here and you let us know what's up. You currently muted yourself, so I cannot unmute you. Fair. I wanted to let Ray get all their hearts content out on, on Wanda. Now, I agree 
quite a bit on what Ray says. Um, I I like to do a little research outside of just what is shown, and I learned Sam Raimi as much as I love him. He's one of my top five uh, directors. Did not watch WandaVision past the first two episodes. Yes. What? Yes. He Are did not watch WandaVision. There's a quote that says, I never even saw all of WandaVision. I've just seen key moments of some episodes that I was told directly on, impact man. our storyline. You're writing a movie about a character and you can't be bothered to watch a few The only thing that I could maybe think of there being a reason is it wasn't officially released, but it seems like he would have the inside track on what exactly happened with Wanda. Because, I, I mean, I've also heard that they filmed pretty close to each other so there's always that argument but the fact that he's part of marvel studios and he wrote a movie with wanda being one of the main characters and didn't watch the most important key moments of her character's development that, that bothers me god dang it sam raimi i was i was rooting for you at least it didn't end up like spider-man 3 anyway keep going <laughs> so that that definitely like it felt it is felt the fact that you can tell that it almost seems like, I mean, I don't know how far he got, if, if anything, but it seems like he got to the episode right before uh, Pietro comes back and then was like, I'm done. Because the the way that he has, again, no mention of vision, that was one of the cameos that I thought I was going to see. Like, in all honesty, like a... a Pietro Bay. one or a, or a vision one. A vision oh, I, I never mentioned uh, my thoughts on vision. <laughs> That's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll circle back to it. Okay, to okay, okay. Another thing for vision. Make sure you remind me. Because, yeah, um, as much as she realizes that, like, yes, vision is gone, but my kids are out there somewhere, I also thought it was weird that every version of Wanda that we just saw didn't have vision. Like, they, apparently, vision does not matter as much. Which is fair, mother compared to husband. Um, uh, mother compared to. I realized wife. my wife hated me, Noah. Thanks. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> but that was so strange. The fact that, yeah, if Vision had thoughts of the multiverse, but after that, he does not matter. Now her death into, I think the dark hold and the the grip that it held on her made her seem weaker than Doctor Strange in terms of we could tell that the Darkhold had its fingers in her. But every yeah, time it gave her a boost of that we hadn't expected to see. It definitely, like, she's always been one of the most powerful people in the Marvel Universe, but as soon as she got, like, the whole dark magic thing, like, she went up a couple tiers, and now she, like, it was evident throughout the movie that she eclipsed everyone else like no one could stop her only Wanda could stop herself or Scarlet Witch could stop Wanda yeah what I what I loved is the Illuminati Doctor Strange is like dude Wanda's coming you can't you can't stop her and the Illuminati we can stop Wanda it's just one person and then boom they're all dead <laughs> it's like um no she's kind of really powerful she has the dark hold and I think Stephen Doctor Strange read the Darkhold knowing that it what it does and what it's capable of. I don't think Wanda fully knew. I don't think she knew that it could. Well, I mean, you gotta give her, her some leniency there. I think that's what you're going for. Is he like Doctor Strange is the you know the master of the mystic arts? He's 
spent all this time training at Camartage and he's now he, he runs Sanctum Sanctorum, which is full of magic relics and books and this, that, and the other thing. Wanda hasn't really, like, she had that natural power and she was experimented on in Age of Ultron. But as far as interaction with other mystic characters, it was really limited to uh, uh, Harkness in uh, WandaVision. Yeah, she has no training. So she doesn't she doesn't have like context so she doesn't know that the dark hold is corrupting her so i don't know that it necessarily makes her look weaker um just because i think it grabbed onto her before she really realized what was happening in a way but i mean she did see that it controls people because she saw how it handled how what it did to agatha did agatha use the same book yes agatha had the dark hold Okay. But I don't know if she knew Agatha was bad because of the dark hold or if that's Agatha true. was there's just bad. Just be okay. inherently bad. That's a fair point. Yeah. That is there's fair. there's a lot of repercussions that what I, I I think it makes perfect sense the way they wrote it into the films is just she was desperate to get the life that she built for herself and she feels like she was, you know, it was dis- it wasn't justified that she had to give everything up even though she had to give everyone their free will. There's that point there, but she still feels like she deserves some sort of uh, solace in what she's accomplished so far. And she wants to retire back to her regular life that you wouldn't think about some of the repercussions or bother doing the research. If someone's like, Hey, you can get what you want right here, right now. Just read this book. Are you really going to try and like think of the bylines or whatever's in between? You probably would just ignore it. That's like asking me to read the terms of service when I get a new iPhone. You know what I mean? Exactly. I have a question, and it's before we get into the Illuminati thing. So I know that they stress it a lot in the trailers. The moment where she says, you do this, and you're seen as a hero, I do it, and I'm seen as a villain. Is that really fair? Do you think that, I mean, after watching that movie, I don't know if that, if that line holds as much weight as it does before, while it did in the trailers. Because watching the interactions that they had, because, I mean, Steven was never out there trying to kill a kid and steal his powers. That is a villain. It was, I think the, yeah, you're right that it was taken in a different context between the trailer and the movie. And I don't know if me and Coach brought this up on an episode or if this is just something uh, we've talked about off camera, but that scenario, it's, in the trailer, it was, it seemed like they were pointing at Westview being the terrible thing that she did, but when it comes to the movie, it's more along the lines of, I mean, they're still addressing Westview, but it's a different context. Clearly she's doing some sort of reality manipulating stuff that even Steven falls for right at the beginning of the movie. So that's probably part of it. Ray, what are your thoughts on Noah's question? Um, yeah, I can see that. Um, I think part of it is, um, not necessarily so specifically about any one situation it's it kind of feels like how like a lot of women are written off as being crazy uh for doing something and if a man did the same thing they would be fine so I think brave and crazy I think that's even a different line in this movie or something else I watched recently where it was just making that comparison where uh if a guy does something it's considered brave or like 
it's to the advantage of it, it's a good thing but when a woman does the same thing she's being reckless or thoughtless type of deal yeah and i think that's that's kind of how it sounded to me is when because when dr strange breaks the rules he's a hero but if wanda does it she's a villain it kind of has that same that same feel to it but at the same time within the context of the story i mean strange uh did a spell to completely erase peter and like messed with a ton of stuff and brought in people from other universes by accident and he's still fine but she does something that breaks rules and she's not fine so yeah it, i think it was just a matter of free will but i mean the the two instances aren't completely comparable but it's fair to draw that conclusion if you're on one of the ends that you feel like you're being treated differently than, than others um you can yeah. kind of feel that way probably i can understand that entirely uh no did you have anything else or are you ready to jump into illuminati no, I just, I, I just had that question. I mean, I, the question didn't really have any, like, set answer. I just wanted to know you guys' viewpoint on it. Because oh, after yeah. watching the movie, it did, like, act like I sat there once she said it. And I was like, these aren't, these aren't comparable, really. Yeah, uh, that's, I mean, that's movie magic. You know, you, yeah, you, you want to do the trailer to where you look, you're looking for something, but then it ends up not being that important. But it was cool in the trailer. Ray, you wanted to touch on uh, a vision thing real quick yes. before we got into Illuminati. So, um, I think the reason why Vision isn't present is because she processed that grief. She knows that he's gone, and she thought her kids were gone. But now, through the dark hold, she realizes that they may not have been as fake as she thought they were, because everybody else has every other version of her has them. So she this the dark hold shoulder showed her that her children are real and now she's angry and so that's why like when you look at it from that perspective that she's angry and wants because she knows that her kids are out there and that she should have them too um question i uh maybe uh they might have referenced it in the movie but maybe you guys would uh would have caught it and i didn't was it specifically stated that Vision's the actual father of all these children in other universes? I mean, that's definitely no. something that could be a reason why he wasn't brought up as much. Because even in the context of WandaVision, Vision's considered the father figure, but really she created them herself and didn't have any... I mean, obviously there's the funny beds pushing together sitcom scene, but you know what I mean? Like, it's not necessarily yeah. confirmed. Um, he's not mentioned as being the father, um, also, it could very well be that he just wasn't home at the time. Right. Um, yeah. there's a whole, there's a lot of circumstances as to why we don't see him, but I think part of it is she's focused more on seeing her children because she's processed her grief with vision. She has not processed it with her children. So I feel like that's why he's not very prominent um, because he's not, he's not the issue here, quote unquote. Um, but with, like I said earlier, because she's, she's ang she knows her kids are out there and she's angry. And if you look at it from that perspective, instead of just like being crazed and obsessed with getting her kids, 
it makes it makes a little more sense uh what she's doing um because she's acting out of anger instead of like grief or being psychotic um but it wasn't explicit in the film so it doesn't really feel that way uh, yeah, I get that. yeah uh all right that's a good vision point. I will be pumped to see him return. I think White Vision is going to be what shows up in future MCU projects. So, fingers crossed that turns out being cool. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. We got to focus on the here and the now. That's why everyone loves the Marvel Stuff podcast because we talk about how awesome the current stuff is and try to, you know, hit on some possible things for fun. So, let's talk about the Illuminati. We are in a different universe. One, um, I'm not even going to ask you guys' opinion on this. Mordo, he showed up. He did some like weird evil henchman stuff. And then, boom, Mordo was gone. We'll he magic about- roofied them. Yeah, he magic roofied <laughs> them. We'll get back to uh, him because he's part of the Illuminati. But um, obviously, really cool cameos. The theater popped every time one of the cool characters showed up. Uh, not very many people cared about Black Bolt. I don't even know. I don't think that many people realized that he's the same Black Bolt from a former project because that former project was so stupid. But um, then we get introduced to, uh, I believe Captain Marvel was next, or what, it might have been Captain Britain. I don't recall. But uh, either way, Peggy Carter yeah, shows up. I think Captain Carter was next. Oh, yeah, you're right. She was first because she threw the shield. Black Bolt was after. She was the one yeah. that introduced Black Bolt. Thank you, Noah. Uh, Peggy Carter, awesome. Uh, definitely Ooh. some CGI stuff. She did not get that jack for the role. Well, the case of Natalie Portman, she definitely got swole, and I'm happy for her. But Haley Atwell, she looked great. I mean, I thought it was cool. Uh, made me feel justified in spending the time to watch What If. Wasn't my favorite show ever, but there were some nuggets in there that made me enjoy it for the process. If I didn't have this podcast, I probably wouldn't have watched every episode. So here we are. Get to see Captain Britain. Pretty cool. Black Bolt Returns. Uh, do you guys have anything to say about either of them? And then we'll well let's let's throw Captain Marvel in that mix, too. That Captain Marvel, I didn't recognize her as an actress. Now, is she Captain Marvel's friend from Captain Marvel? Okay. I straight didn't pick up on that because I only watched Captain Marvel once and I didn't care for it. Yeah, she's Rambo's mom. Okay, she's Monica Rambo's mom. That makes a lot of sense. That makes that makes her way more important because it just felt so weird. I'm like, who is this and why isn't she more like I don't know, the the audience didn't pop either, so maybe I'm not alone in that. It felt weird that we had absolutely no context for that. Like, if she had been in a What If episode like that, right? that would have made sense and it would have been cooler. However, you're just seeing a different actor portraying Captain Marvel and have no idea what's going on. Yeah, they could have made that one a bit more clear. But at the same time, I mean, I got the Black Bolt reference and I'm sure even less people got that one. So it, it hit something for everyone. But the, those three characters, let's focus on those because the other three are the ones that we really want to get into the nitty gritty about. So as far as those th- three go, how do you feel, Noah? Oh, Black Bolt. Here's the thing. I love Black Bolt in the comics. I genuinely think that he is one of my – he's my favorite in human for sure. I'll a lot, y'all, the puppers. But mm. – I hated the Inhuman show. And the reason I, hate, I hated it because it continuously got downgraded. It was originally supposed to be a movie, and then they were like, well, no, we're going to make it a TV show. Oh, but we're going to make it a spinoff of a TV show that's not necessarily connected to the MCU because it was a spinoff of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 
I was talking about this when, when uh, we talked about Moon Knight a little bit um, the other day. Like, it's the way that they downgraded it and downgraded it. And I was like, that's why they had to get that guy to return. Because if they would have gotten anyone else, it would have felt like a sad, like, it would have been a cameo that no one would have cared about. Like, you could put Johnny in there. They could have got Ramsey Bolton to reprise his role from the Inhumans just because everyone knows him from Game of Thrones. I don't think anyone would have cared about his Inhumans role, though. Yeah, and he's not, like, uh, again, Black Bolt is, like, it would have been more intriguing if they would have gotten someone, like, uh, I mean, they already has Charlie Theron, but someone, like, really nice to play, like, Medusa. Because then you don't even really need, like, it. she can talk. And they didn't harness the fact that Black Bolt is a telepath. He does talk by telepathy. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't really. Yeah, yeah, that's the sad thing about him is like that. That more than likely that's the last we're ever going to see Black Bolt. Unfortunately, Marvel is not known for making slip ups, but they definitely did with the Inhuman show. And this was about as much respect as you're going to get for that character now that he's already kind of been buried by irrelevance in the MCU. <laughs> and buried uh, literally. Yeah. True. And all right. Uh. And the um, other two, go ahead and no, right. The, the um, what mouth part was traumatizing. Oh my god, that was the best. That was the best thing Black Bolt's ever done. <laughs> the, <laughs> he had the, the most iconic death. The <laughs> what mouth, and then it pans over. He has no mouth. He screams, and you can see an explosion in his head, and blood comes so out good. his ear. It's, that is so gory. Oh my gosh. It was traumatizing. Too. This is was, not a children's movie. This is a horror yep. movie. It I've, is upsetting. It I've has a lot of gore. In other episodes, that like, I think it was me and Coach's review of the movie. Like, this is not like Iron Man PG thirteen. This is like next level PG thirteen that you probably should be thirteen to watch this one because I know I was a little pansy kid until I was like ten, so I couldn't watch anything even remotely scary without having nightmares about it. And if you're under 13, you might get nightmares from this movie, especially that death. Quick shout out. I, I, love, that he had this, I love that he had this stubble over his face instead of having yeah. a baby. I was like, that's a nice touch. But yeah. It was really well done. Yes. All right, like, Black Bolt. We'll get, to the, we'll get but... to the murder of those guys in a second here. But uh, any other points for the, uh, the fun um, other two characters? I mean, they got, they got to be highlighted in the fight more, so I guess we'll get to kind of expand on that. Yeah, I mean, Haley Atwell, she is truly, like, the, the, the cameo that just keeps giving or, like, the, the, the supporting character that just keeps coming back. And I'm happy every time I see her. That's what makes her, like, a really good stay. Is that, sadly, you know, that her getting her own show again is not, is not really something that we're going to see after the Agent Carter. But every time she shows up, she gives a performance. She makes you care about Eddie Carter again. But yeah, fuck. the fact right. that they brought Captain America's like dead girlfriend from World War Two or World War One, whatever it was, World War Two, II, I think. Two. Yeah, the fact that that like we brought that like that character just keeps somehow showing up in projects and it's relevant. It just it doesn't make any sense, but you you hit it right on the head that it's just she's great. Love having her around. I don't think I would care that much if she got her own like show or movie, but she's a she's like the the perfect side character, I would say. Like someone everyone's pumped to see, but like she doesn't need to be highlighted too much. And uh they really hit that perfect here and the fact that she was Captain Britain made it really cool. 
But then we get the the big pop reveal, and I was excited about it. John Krasinski finally shows up as Mr. Fantastic. And I don't know how much you guys were looking forward to that, but we're talking like close to eight, like eight to ten years I've been like clamoring for it. Ever since I saw the first fan art, I was like, if they don't do this, the Marvel's just missing the mark if they don't do it. So how do you two feel about it? Well, um, I did read somewhere. I don't know if it's true, but I did read somewhere. That he might be that, directing it now? No, that Oscar Isaac is the only Marvel actor without a contract. Meaning Disney, oh. Disney owns John Krasinski for seven years. <laughs> That's not surprising to me, especially because uh, the Fantastic Four movie is going to be coming. And his costume looked sweet. He looked super handsome, as always. Appreciate him always just showing up and looking good. No longer is he skinny Jim Halpert. That yeah, seeing, seeing him, I, so I've only seen the older Fantastic Four and yeah, the Fan Four Sick was garbage. You don't need to watch it. I did not yeah. see I did not see the more recent one. Um, yeah, because I wasn't a very big fan of the original one, so um I wasn't inclined to see it. But seeing John Krasinski, John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic made me excited to see a Fantastic Four. That's the thing about Mr. Fantastic, is like in almost every major storyline, like he's the smartest man in the world in almost every iteration. And the fact that we have gotten this far into the MCU without the Fantastic Four Doctor Doom is like a feat in itself because they're Marvel's first family. They're some of the most important characters in Marvel. And now we're finally getting to the point where we get to see them presented in a way we want to see. Is he the smartest? Because he thought they could take Wanda. (laughs) Fair point that's that universe is mr fantastic he's a dummy we ours is better but and when it comes to the smartest people in the room technically his daughter is smarter than him so yeah he did mention he has kids so but she's not in the room so it's fine she, okay. <laughs> we can we can talk about that later uh obviously mordo is also part of the illuminati that was you know everyone kind of suspected <laughs> that to be the case but it was revealed yippy skippy had for that happy for that guy I like Mordo. I I'm not upset about how he was used in this movie, though. I, he didn't feel that important, and that's okay because he doesn't always need to be. I want to see him in future projects because the this our universe's Mordo is still out there murking magic people, as it was touched on in this movie. So I want to see that limited series where he's just going around killing wizards. That'd be pretty crazy, like Magic Punisher. That'd be wild. <laughs> but then, of course, I. I I honestly don't know which one I liked more, which cameo. I I think I lean Professor X because I was such a big X-Men fan that like X-Men one was the first Marvel movie I ever saw. So that really like brought me into this universe. And the fact that the guy that brought me here in the first place is now back in it, like 20 years later, I was just losing my mind. I can't get over the yellow bumper car though. Okay. But did you watch the X-Men TV show? Cause that was super important to us fans that watched it. In 97, they even had the theme song. That, yeah. Which leads me to believe that that is who he was. He wasn't from the uh, the Fox universe. He was an X-Men animated series. That'd be interesting. I don't, I don't know if they're going to really kind of go into the they're logistics bringing, of that. They're bringing the X-Men animated series back with X-Men 97. That's true. They're doing that. Yeah, I mean, sure. We can, we can dream. That's fine. <laughs> but he... 
obviously Patrick Stewart is one of the best actors of any generation, really. He's just a fantastic actor. So the fact that they got him to come play this role yet again, uh, he was the most understanding member of the Illuminati. Obviously he had more scenes than the rest of them. He was more cerebral about it, pun kind of intended. (laughs) Uh, He knew that they couldn't take Wanda necessarily. Right, exactly. He was smart Smart. about it. He probably handled Wanda. That's the interesting thing is, do you think the Wanda that we have, the reason she has such a nice life? Because she didn't seem like a magic user like Professor put her under that. No, you weren't there when we watched the movie, but I even said to Ray during the movie, I was like, they're doing the Dark Phoenix thing with Wanda. And that's almost exactly what he did when we finally did get, to the, did get into the mind. The whole idea, I think he may have done that too there, Wanda, is he was able to kind of separate some things in her mind and put a mental blocks to prevent her from you know, maybe the trauma or things along those lines. I mean, obviously none of that's confirmed, but it makes perfect sense to me. And the fact that that was his first inkling as soon as he ran into like, the mass murdering Scarlet Witch that we he was faced with, he went into her mind and tried to free the Wanda part of herself. It was it was one well, of the really cool scene. Was he going inside of our Wanda's head or the alternate universe Wanda's head? He was trying to was free going- this universe's yeah. Wanda from the clutches of the Scarlet Witch, I think. That's what I thought too. So, like the Wanda that's in the rubble is the Wanda whose body is being used. Yes, I think so. But yeah, awesome. Uh, uh, We skipped a little. Obviously, we skipped the whole fight scene. So let's talk about that now. The fact that Wanda just mows down the some of Marvel's greatest heroes. Like I, as much as I wanted to see more Mister Fantastic, the way that she murdered Black Bolt and then followed it up by turning. Mr. Fantastic into spaghetti. I was like, this is the best. I love this. He was a cheese stick. It was great. Mozzarella. Um, I I gotta imagine that our Wanda, while in this body, taking out all of those Ultron robots was very therapeutic. Yeah. And when she crushed that final head, I could just imagine her thinking that's for Pietro. Yeah. I think so too. I uh, love... I love that. Um, I love that for her. <laughs> so much um, cool horror stuff. The fact that, like, you couldn't tell if it was blood or motor, motor oil covering her, but mm-hmm. it was just, just nasty looking either way. And it she, was definitely, it was definitely oil because it was very brown. Black, and but then there was red, blood stains as well. There was because, blood later, but anyway. when she originally came out, that was not blood because it was too brown, and blood doesn't get that brown that fast. Yeah. It was cool, is what it was. Yes. <laughs> it looked good. Visual? Visual? Yeah. So, stunning. Obviously, she takes out two out of six of the Illuminati. Mordo's busy, you know, <laughs> dueling with Doctor Strange, and that fight scene just felt so lame in comparison to what was happening in the other room, because neither of them had magic. So it was just, like, two guys that aren't known for their physical capabilities just trying to fight each other. It's awesome. <laughs> Doctor Strange is great. But uh, those two got taken out immediately, which I kind of wish I could have got to see Black Bolt and Mr. Fantastic fight a little bit. We get, we did get to see Black Bolt whisper, I'm sorry, to that universe's Doctor Strange. And we didn't even touch on that scene on how cool that was. We got to see that little bit of background with the group and Doctor Strange agreeing that he's gone too far type of deal. And then we get... Captain Carter and Captain Marvel versus Wanda. And it lasted longer than I thought it would. Uh, Captain Carter was far too reliant on her shield 
I definitely felt that way. Like she throws her shield first thing, Wanda chucks it. She leaves Captain Marvel to just kind of do the fighting while she goes to track down her shield. I was like, okay, whatever. But visually, that was that was the cool part of the fight was uh, essentially her getting cut in half by the shield. Oh, Coach didn't like so traumatizing. Coach didn't like the line where I can do this all day. How did you feel about her using Steve's line in the middle of the fight? I, I go back and forth on back. it. What was that, Noah? I thought it was a cute callback. I mean, it's yeah. one of those things where when you're captain, when uh, you, you are that role of captain, we know she loves him. We know that that was a thing that he said. It, it's cute. It wouldn't, it wouldn't, it didn't take away from it, but it didn't add anything outside of just like, hmm, okay. Yeah. I don't think it hit as well as the the writers intended it to. Uh, what did you say, yeah. Ray? I kind of go back and forth on it um, because that's something that Steve said before he became Captain America, and then it kind of became something he said regularly as Captain America. Um, so with the being Captain America part, I think it plays really well because that's something that Captain America would say. Or she's not Captain America, but she, play, she fits the same role. Captain Britain. So... <laughs> as as that role it fits however with it being something that steve said very prominently and she's not an alternate of steve it felt a little weird yeah i mean it felt a little forced in that that's something that that captain america like i never thought of it before that character is surrounded by one-liners they use too much because there's the i can do this all day and then there's on, the, your on your left, and then, yeah, it's there's a lot of weird trademark lines that people are kind of sick of in the MCU now. But that's I don't okay. know. It's a little. I strange. like it when they come from their original source. <laughs> yeah, that's it's okay when Bucky does it. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I love Bucky. All right, well that that deals with the Illuminati. I got a few more points. We're at about an hour, so let's just power through this a little bit here. Jumping dimensions, yay or nay? Was it cool? Do you like the idea of being able to go to different multiverses via America Chavez? Or does that feel like it's going to be too much of a crutch going forward? I think it's cool. I think it opens up a lot of opportunities. Um, It was very reminiscent of Into the Spider-Verse. How you see like a lot of different uh, universes of um, Peter and they're all from different completely different styles and seeing all the different like looks of the different universes was pretty cool um however i would like some clarification on the difference between the multiverse and the sacred timeline yeah we're gonna get there eventually maybe or maybe they'll just be like deal with it because we do what we want but yeah coach and i brought that up on the podcast before it's like what's actually breaking yeah, there's the sacred timeline there's the multiverse they kind of run concurrently yeah does and every multiverse have Sony's their own a, sacred timeline sony's got its own weird like universe breaking thing too so i really don't know what they're doing because like if every multiverse had their own sacred timeline it would make sense however if there's a sacred timeline and multiverse that doesn't make sense um but because it's it's really confusing because Loki and Sylvie are variants. Yeah, I, thought, I was thinking the same thing. It's, they're also, it would also work as like another universe's Sylvie. Yep. So that makes me think that there's one sacred timeline. But then how does the multiverse coexist with the sacred timeline? 
or does Sylvie break the sacred timeline way earlier? And that's what leads to yeah, all of I these. think it comes down to it's fiction. So it's just the reasoning's also fiction. It's it, it, as lame as that explanation is, it's kind of probably think, what they're going to lean into. I think it would help if we knew where in the timeline uh, the Loki series fell. Yeah, like, definitely. If we if we could pinpoint when Sylvie killed He Who Remains, I feel like that would that would help a lot of stuff. I agree. Yeah, maybe we'll get clarification later on. But uh, Noah jumping to mentions America Chavez's power is cool. Do you think it's gonna be a crutch? What's your opinion? Uh, I honestly believe we're probably never gonna see her use it to jump dimensions again. That sounds really weird. That is weird. But the in terms of the fact of like the multiverse of madness, whether like okay, she might jump, she might jump dimension, but I don't think we're ever gonna get anything outside of what we just saw in terms of multiple dimensions. And like if she does jump in dimension, we're not gonna get like a paint world. We're not gonna get that beautiful scene where they're going. Oh yeah, we're not getting that again. But we might like. I mean, they could use that to like shoehorn in Andrew Garfield being Spider Man again if they wanted to. So that's. I, it's a bummer because this is the problem with comic books too. And I, I hate, you know, it's blasphemy for me to talk about the negative effects of comic books. Cause that's all I do is read comic books, but a character dying, no one's ever actually truly dead. So now at this point, because we have the multiverse, Uncle if ben this Parker. universe did exactly, if this universe is, uh, you know, no Shuri, this universe is Shuri dies we could just pull a Shuri from a different multiverse no, you and can't. all of a sudden we're there. You can't. <laughs> You're not, not her. <laughs> well, you I'm can't not, because that, because when the Illuminati said that Steven went into um, another universe and was there too long and it destroyed the universe and everyone in that universe died. Ah, yes. I guess they did. America kind of, can kind of jump because there is no other America. She's the anomaly. Yeah, that's, yeah, I guess. That's which is point. which is strange because they made it known that Wanda is a Nexus being, and that's the whole point of Nexus beings. Yeah, I mean, Nexus beings, that was like a weird one where they're not necessarily an anomaly, but they're a fixed point. Or there has to be a Wanda, but then the fact that America is an anomaly, I think there, there's a difference there, I'm sure. It could be that our Wanda is the only Scarlet Witch, and that's what makes her Maybe, a Nexus yeah. being. And all the other ones are just Wandas with power. Yeah. Fair enough. Alright, so that wraps up that power. Uh, movie thoughts overall. Uh, how do you guys, what, are, what were your favorite parts? What were some things that you thought were missing? And uh, how did you feel about it while watching? The soundtrack was almost distractingly good. Well, you, you bring the fire. That's I mean, it's it Danny Elfman. Yeah, you, you bring one of the best composers ever. It's kind of like, what are you going to do? And it's awesome. Uh, Noah, what you got? Um, all in all, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I cannot rave about the, the fight between the strangers with the music. That was oh, yeah. some of the most intriguing use of magic slash music I've that seen. Felt, out. That felt so comic booky. It just it was like, so weird. It was weird, but I yeah. that I didn't like it. But it was also so beautifully done, like visually and like sound wise, that I did like it. So it's a little weird. Oh, it was great. 
that's my opinion. It was fun. Um, all right. Well, that kind of wraps up this movie then, but I want to know in the pantheon of the MCU for you guys. So including all projects in the MCU and not necessarily including other Marvel projects like Fantastic Four or the X-Men movies. How does this rank for you guys? If you had to go tiers, you got top tier, middle tier, bottom tier. How, where does this movie fall for you guys? We'll obviously eventually do an episode where we rank things, but not right now. I'd say it's somewhere in the middle tier. Maybe a little towards the lower end of the middle tier, but not the bottom of the middle tier. Okay. That's interesting. Noah, how about you? Mine's high mid tier, almost like it's like touching the roof of of the top tier. I'm right with Noah, except I choose to call it a top tier movie, personally. I, I think it's really close to mid. It's not one of the best movies of all time, but the fact that there's roughly 30, yeah, it's probably roughly 40 projects at this point. Uh, I put it in the top 15 somewhere. So it's like, yeah, I'd call it a top tier one. It's not one of the best ones ever, but it's a super fun movie. And that wraps up uh, our second review of Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I was joined by, of course, by the great Ray Krytoff and Noah King Bates. Thank you both for being here. Uh, thank you to the audience out there. Our numbers are going bananas right now. Like I'm kind of in awe at how awesome we are right now. So that's all thanks to you guys. So really keep listening, keep rating five stars, keep sharing with your friends. We're not going anywhere, even though there's no new Marvel projects for a while. We're going to do fun filler stuff. Uh, check out Noah and I on the uh, Radioactive Paper Cuts podcast on Tuesdays. Go check out Ray over on the Star Wars Stuff podcast. She's going to, or they are going to Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim at the end of this month. So that's super exciting stuff. We're yes, I am. super glad to be part of that podcast, fam. So I uh, appreciate you guys as well. And to the audience out there and the immortal words of Coach, you guys can have fun, but just not too much fun without us. <laughs>